Four Midwest Guys presents Hello everyone and welcome back to The Race Is On. It is Oscar nomination morning and yeah, the announcements have just come out. I uh, had my lovely little cheat sheet to kind of follow along, play along. Shout out to uh, my friend the Oscar guy whose website I've been following for God, going on over 20 years now. So uh, if you guys get a chance, check out his site, uh, cinemasite.com. It's where I go to get a lot of my information um, for following all Oscar nominations. It's, it's amazing his dedication. He actually sticks around the whole year. but. I'm here to talk about the nominations because, yeah, we've got a few shockers this year. And, uh, yeah, where to, uh, where to begin? Well, I guess we'll start with what the internet is going to immediately talk about. And that is the fact that there are no female directors nominated this year. And, yeah, that's right. Um, we got our usual nominations. We've got the ones we were expected. Sam Mendes, Boom John Ho. Uh, Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino, but that fifth slot was always a question mark, and some people thought, I mean, I even thought Greta Gerwig might have snuck in. There was a little hope that Lulu Wang would get a nomination for The Farewell, but apparently Todd Phillips held strong. And I think, <clears throat> I think the reasoning behind that is when we get to the final tallies of how many nominations there were for each film this year, we'll probably see why. But yeah, this is going to be, uh, you know, they're they're going to hear about this for the next, uh, next four or five weeks. Uh, Greta Gerwig should have been nominated. Um, I think, I think the fact that, I mean, I thought there was going to be like a big late surge for Little Women, and I thought that might have helped her get in could have helped Greta Gerwig get nominated in. Um, <clears throat> maybe there was just a lot of detractors of her style. Like, I remember when she got her nomination for Lady Bird uh, two years ago, that there were some people that just didn't get into her style of directing, or let alone the film for that matter. <clears throat> um, could have cost her some votes here. I don't know. But... Yeah, uh, so we now have the director of The Hangover is now an Oscar-nominated director. Uh, I guess that makes as much sense as knowing that the director of Anchorman and Talladega Nights became a two-time Oscar-nominated director, Adam McKay, who, uh, he, he, his movies are really good, though, and Joker was awesome, though. This is, uh, this is a pretty busy year. This has been a pretty crowded year, but... I will say this, um, do I think Greta Gerwig should have been nominated? Um, I haven't seen Little Women, but yes, some diversity in the directing category would be nice as well, uh, because <laughs> even the, the presenter, Issa Rae, like, she had like a nice little jab, I thought, in there when she said, at the end, when they announced all the nominees, she goes, congratulations to these men. I'm like, that's that's a little telling right there. Um, what else? All right, moving on. <clears throat> um, best actor. We have two 
actors getting their very first Academy Award nominations. We have Antonio Banderas getting his very first nomination. Awesome. He's been the he's been doing this for a long time. He more than deserves it. And uh, the other shock is Jonathan Price for the Two Popes. Price uh, holding on for since his Golden Globe nomination, and you know what? Good on him. Again, like Antonio Banderas, he's been doing it for a long time. Um, he hasn't really had a role that would like showcase him this much. I mean, a lot of people like if you're wondering who Jonathan Price is. Uh, any of my, like, anybody out there that watches, like, the avant-garde films like uh, Brazil, you may remember him from that. Um, but if you're going the more commercial route, you'll remember him as the lead villain from Tomorrow Never Dies. So, that should tell you how long he's been in this. He's been giving, like, consistently great performances. He's, he's a great actor. Um, he's never quite had that role that was going to, like, break out and get him a nomination until just now. And I guess this was just their way, I mean... It was either support for the film or, I guess, the fact that Anthony Hopkins also got nominated, too. Like, if you're going to have a film called The Two Popes, why not, you know, nominate both of them? Uh, which, again, um, another... I, I miscalled it. I thought The Two Popes was going to get shafted for screenplay. It got nominated for screenplay. And uh, my other thought is I thought A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood would get nominated, and it didn't. Tom Hanks, however, did. Um, completely called... Well, four out of five called Supporting Actor, because... I thought, uh, uh, my list, gotta consult it. I thought the guy, uh, Song Kang Ho from Parasite was gonna get a supporting actor nod, but, uh, uh, when we get to the tallies, when we get to the complete tallies, we'll look at that uh, a little bit later. But, moving on from there, um, another surprise, uh, at least on my end, I thought Alita Battle Angel was gonna sneak in and get a nomination because a lot of the people in the visual effects industry thought it was incredibly well done. The use of rendering and blending and all the elements that they put together to create the photorealism of it was incredibly intricate for the budget they had and uh, apparently wasn't enough. But, and this is where I, I, I kinda, I kinda get like, you know, blindsided here and there because, you know, on the one hand you have the Academy that always loves to nominate their Best Picture nominees for visual effects, and I thought, okay, um, back in 2017 I thought that, um, I thought that The Shape of Water and Dunkirk were, like, completely solid, easily locked in, not a chance that anything else is going to get nominated above them, and uh, they both missed out. Um, I was kind of surprised that year. But this year, I thought the, uh, the subtleties of 1917 and The Irishman <clears throat> were kind of like on the borderline for visual effects because I knew that Avengers Endgame, Star Wars, and Lion King, those three were guaranteed and they all got nominated. But I thought Alita Battle Angel was going to sneak in and I also thought, uh, what, was, <laughs> what was my other prediction, was... Um, uh, whew. I guess, uh, yeah, no, wait, I did, I did call 1917, but that was just kind of, like, on the borderline there. Um, but yeah, 1917 and The Irishman sneaking in. They, um, uh, I guess because there was a lot of talk 
for many months about the de-aging process in The Irishman. I mean, that's that's the standout effect of the film. And that's what uh, Scorsese's really known for. Like, when he does an effects film, they don't ever take center stage the way a special effects film does. Like, when we think Martin Scorsese and visual effects, we don't usually think of them synonymously, but <clears throat> he was, what was it? The Aviator was a finalist. Um, what else? Um, Hugo won for visual effects in a year that was like, what was it? Um, God, I think all the way back then. Um, yeah, it was, like, it was like Captain America, First Avenger. That wasn't nominated. Um, it was like Real Steel, uh, War for the Planet of the... Uh, not War, uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. The first time the, the Planet of the Apes films up for visual effects. I thought that was going to win because of how, again, how intricate that was done. But uh, no, they went with... Um, uh, Hugo on that one. Oh, and uh, Harry Potter and the, the the last Harry Potter film, the Deathly Hallows Part Two. It's Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows, Hugo, Real Steel, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and uh, oh yeah, Transformers: Dark of the Moon. So yeah, Scorsese when he does visual effects, like they they're supporting, but they're done in such a way that they are done in service of the film because. He's kind of he's a very much an artistic approach towards his his visual effects. He doesn't have them take center stage, and I think that's what really impresses the Academy. Like if they did five uh, visual effects nominees back in two thousand four when the Aviator was a finalist, I guarantee you the Aviator would have been a visual effects nominee. But as it stands, it didn't. But. Yeah, no, like, Irishman snuck in. I mean, I, I can't even say snuck in. It was, like, sixth on my list. And I guess Alita Battle Angel, which I was expecting to win. I really thought that was going to be the film that was going to sneak in. Like, everyone was going to expect Avengers or Star Wars or Lion King. Again, my other three locks. I thought the one that was going to be the most technically precise was going to win. Um, so, yeah. I'm, I'm starting from square one on my winner's predictions now. Um, but moving on. <laughs> so yeah, as you can tell, uh, my lovely co-host is, uh, is not here. Um, she's also not here. No timer. <laughs> so um, yeah. This means I'm going off on my own right now, everyone. So strap yourselves in. And this is me giving my initial reactions and uh, thoughts as to where this puts the race for the Oscars now. So... Step, strap, sit that, sit, ah. Again, completely unfiltered and kind of going off the wing here. So yeah, sit back, get something to drink, get a snack, and or just start doing some chores and uh, put me on in the background. I don't care, but uh, have, have a listen. I'd love to hear your thoughts. But moving on, we're going to talk about another humongous surprise, and that's in the animated film category, No Frozen 2. Wow, like, I I wasn't expecting it to win, like, I thought, I mean, yeah, Toy Story 4, that's, that's, that is now your clear winner. There is nothing to take away any other votes from Toy Story 4 right now. Um, yeah, but Frozen 2, like, getting completely shafted, I, I don't know why. Um... 
the other ones that got in were my other four predictions. Uh, what was it? I Lost My Body, uh, How to Train Your Dragon 3, uh, Missing Link, and Toy Story 4, of course. Uh, but the surprise nominee, I think, was like my sixth pick. It was like kind of on the borderline because I didn't know where to find it. But apparently it's a, uh, it's a Netflix film, or it's on Netflix, it's called Klaus. Which apparently, I wish I'd looked into more because it's, it's got a lot of really big support behind it. Like the people that have seen it really love it. And it's going to be hard for me to watch it now because it's obviously with the name Klaus. It's a Christmas film. It's an animated Christmas thing. Um, it's past the season, so uh, I guess I'll make the time to watch it if I can because nor normally my wife will watch all the nominees with me and we have a good time doing that this year. But between, uh, between our kid, between our school, it's, it's gotten really tough. So I'm, I might check it out. I might check it out with Abby, uh, my daughter, on, on our own. So, yeah. But yeah, that'll be my way of explaining to her, um, yeah, sorry, honey, Frozen 2 didn't get nominated, here's the other film, and, uh, oh god, I hope I don't, uh, start teaching her my jaded, uh, award nomination ways. Um, alright, moving on from there, uh, makeup. Uh, let me look at this real quick, because I'm, I'm still kind of processing it. I, wow. So... I, I mentioned that I thought Dolomite is my name and Rocket Man were pretty solid contenders. Anyone that follows this could have told you they were they were really well respected in their field because as they made the big point of mentioning, makeup artists nominate this, you know, the branches nominate their own categories. So um, I'm kind of surprised because I, I guess that kind of explains how uh, Rocket Man and Dolomite is my name didn't get nominated. I haven't seen Rocket Man, but I heard there was some prosthetic work in it, um, as well as with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, both of those did not get nominated. Uh, we got Bombshell, we got uh, Joker. Uh, Judy, I, uh, I was predicting, I think I was predicting Judy for makeup, but the two that snuck in there, um, were 1917, I mean, of course, okay, Best Picture continuing its, um, you know, its streak, getting a bunch of nominations, but the one I didn't see coming was Maleficent 2, you know, Mistress of Evil, or whatever. <clears throat> the first Maleficent, if it got nominated, I can understand because it had living legend Rick Baker doing the makeup. And it's kind of weird because Rick Baker has, he, he's kind of in retirement right now because, uh, again, effects have kind of taken work away from him. Everyone just, studios are now more inclined to go, oh, well, we could just uh, computerize it later or oh, we'll just add makeup to this. And, you know, Rick Baker had, actually had to, like, closed down his studio and everything because they were losing work. And the fact that they wouldn't nominate him back in 2014, I mean, again, I know it's like only three nominees for makeup. This is the first year we have five nominations. But I, I, it's kind of a slap in the face nomination almost because it's not to dis, you know, to discredit the people doing Maleficent 2 that they didn't have anything to do. 
but it's just it, it just kind of seems a little disrespectful to nominate a film to nominate the film's sequel when the original film which came up with the original concepts for Maleficent and the world and the design and the, some of the look um, the guy that was in charge of that is like not even doing work in his field anymore and there's people in this field that are nominating it I just it, it's it's a weird nomination to me I mean not just because it's surprising but I, I just it's just the whole I don't know I just something about it rubs me the wrong way um, but the other thing that is interesting I mentioned Dolomite is my name being a stronger contender um, there wasn't a single nomination for Dolomite is my name not one I thought makeup was strong I thought costume was strong I thought those two were like right in there uh, apparently not uh, going into costumes I mean those, those were pretty straightforward there was uh, was uh, actually no you know what I'm gonna address costume design right now that's gonna be my segue because big surprises there like was it Little Women Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, those are the two that I called um, but yeah, no Dolomite is my name, no Rocket Man, and no Judy for costumes. That's uh, three big ones. Uh, but what did get nominated instead? Uh, Jojo Rabbit got nominated. Some people were predicting that, and I, I could see that. You know, period costumes and everything. We you know some uniforms, and you know, that's you know I could see that getting nominated. But the two that were surprising to me, um, The Irishman for costume design. Um, I mean, I get it, you know, again, it was, it was like my rationale for production design. Like, it was covering a large time frame from, like, the, the 40s all the way to the 80s and 90s, so it's about a big, big 50-year, excuse me, about a big 50-year time frame. Um... But it's usually like a lot of suits and everything. I guess, I guess it's you know it's possible. You know, <laughs> it's not as possible. It's it's a good nomination and you know, good on him for it. But the one that surprised me was uh, was Joker, getting a costume design nomination. Yeah, um, the suit looked cool. I don't know. Like, that one, that one took me and I think everybody that follows the Oscars kind of by surprise. Like, we, we were expecting Joker to have a few nominations. And again, we'll get to the tallies. That's, um, we'll save that one for the end, but yeah. Joker getting a costume design nomination, big shock, big shock to me. Um, going on to best, I guess, yeah, let's move to best song now. Because <laughs> I called it. I called it that the Academy wanted to incur the wrath of the Beehive. I knew it. I knew because, and it's not even so much that they wanted to like shaft Beyonce for best song. I think it's it's the Academy's inclination that when they get these movies, like get these live action remakes that we've been getting lately with Lion King, with with Aladdin, with Beauty and the Beast, and that was that was my big key there was Beauty and the Beast. Um, they had an original song on Beauty and the Beast, like it was there were 
a couple original songs or songs that were part of it but didn't quite get in and they made their finalist list for best song that year and I think I I was actually predicting uh, whatever song that was from Beauty and the Beast but it it felt so shoehorned in like you felt like they wanted to just expand the running time of the films and it definitely felt that way in Beauty and the Beast and I'm pretty sure that's exactly how they felt watching Lion King like it was something that was just something Beyonce could have recorded part of one of her albums and just just interspliced it into a film and again I think it's, it's not even so much a detriment to the song as it is just how it's used in a film and that's that's the key thing to think about is how well was it used in a film sure it may be inspirational and you may you know get emotionally stirred up listening to it but here's the question would you feel that way if it wasn't part of the film that I think is what was the detriment to the song's inclusion um, Stand Up, I called, got nominated. Um, Into the Unknown got nominated. Uh, I'm Gonna Love Me Again got nominated. I think that's Rocket Man's only nomination is for Best Song, which is kind of surprising. Uh, we'll cover, oh, I, I think we'll cover Sound next, <laughs> because, yeah, very big surprise there. Poor Paramount. Paramount, um, kind of, <laughs> we're going to have to do some restructuring here, Paramount. That's not a key for Disney to go in and try to buy you. Anyway, uh, the Glasgow song from uh, Wild Rose didn't get nominated. Uh, neither did A Glass of Soju from Parasite. Like, I thought Parasite might have... I mean, I, I again, I still need to see the movie. I had no idea how it fit into the film, if it was part of the movie, but I found out that it was an end credits song. And knowing that, that never really sits right in the film. But, uh, one song that, uh, one song that did get nominated that I should have known, I, from the moment I heard it, I knew this was gonna get a nomination, but everybody else, every other prediction site, all these other people that were saying, oh, it's gonna be these other movies, that's the one time I should have gone with my instinct and not listen to them. Because the song, I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away from Toy Story 4, yeah, it's, it's twee, it's Randy Newman twee, but in context of the film, it worked. It worked really well. It worked to help define the character of Forky and the relationship Woody had with Forky. So I thought right then and there, I was like, you know, that's what's going to get a nomination. Of course, people were getting like starry-eyed by every other song there. Again, thinking Beyonce was going to get nominated for her inclusion of a song. So let this be a lesson, Disney. Stop adding songs to your live-action remakes. Sure, you might sell an album or two, but if you're trying to go for awards, this is not working. So, don't do it. Stop doing it. In fact, stop doing live-action remakes altogether. Just re-release them. Just re-release the films. You're not adding anything special. That's a whole other podcast. But, um, like I said, that's going to be my segue into sound mixing, because, uh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, there, there's a couple of shockers there. Um, Joker, I wasn't predicting Joker at first, but it was like right around my cusp, it was like five or six, uh, or six or seven. I thought it could have got a nomination, because it had a nomination from the Cinema Audio Society. 
but uh, the other three I called, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, Ford v. Ferrari, and 1917, they all got in. I, fig I, kept, I figured it, they all got in. Um, but yeah, the fifth nominee, out of nowhere, <laughs> except to the people that saw the film and really loved the film, and yeah, usually with like uh, Rise, with like, what was it? Uh, Last Jedi and Force Awakens, like your token nominations are always going to be sound mixing, sound editing, score, and visual effects. Uh, Rise of Skywalker did get sound effects, score, and visual effects nominations, but sound mixing they chose another. They chose they chose another space film. They went with Ad Astra. Wow, like out of literally nowhere. <laughs> Ex again, except to the people that saw the film that were like, this is an amazing use of sound. This is an amazing use of, like, just the isolation and the silence. And I think it's those moments that might have won out. Again, not having seen the film, I'm assuming that's kind of where it went in. But, you know, realism in space usually has a, you know, a strong showing in sound mixing. So... <clears throat> Mostly because I think they're creating sound out of nowhere and having to, you know, keep the energy up. Because audiences are used to, like, big, big, robust, full surround sound, your XD, IMAX cinemas everywhere, and they want to make sure you're hearing something. So when you have a space film, and let's face it, there's no sound in space, so they got to find a way to keep the audience engrossed in what's on the screen and still have, like, an oral sense. So... I'm speculating, of course, at this point, but yeah, this this is a rough year. I needed to see more movies this year. I think I like the next couple weeks. I'm gonna be really like just immersing myself with a lot of 2019 movies. So if you can think of any that maybe didn't even get a nomination this year, please let me know. I'm always on the lookout to see something new, something exciting. Um, what else? Moving on from sound mixing. Um, I, I'm going to move to a category I didn't even cover because I never can predict the short films, the documentaries, or the foreign language films, mostly because being in the Midwest, we don't get access to them very easily, like, at all. So, me calling them, it's, it's incredibly difficult. But the one thing that was always on my radar that I always thought was a guaranteed lock was a documentary called Apollo 11 and yeah it just nothing not a, like it didn't even get a single nomination that was insane like how just just how let, let me I mean I'm gonna go over the other documentary nominees just really quick but the only thing I could think of, I mean, um, I have to look into a film called The Cave, apparently, which I will. I'll check it out. Um, but no, like, um, yeah, I thought Apollo 11 was a, it was a lock. Like, it was winning a lot of awards. It was getting a lot of recognition. Um, but shout out to uh, some of our local Ohio people that got nominated for American Factory. Good job, guys. Hope, hope, uh, hope this leads to something big for you. Maybe a big win. We'll see. Um, but the other thing about documentary feature is we have something that was nominated in both documentary feature 
and let me make sure I'm looking at this right, yes, and uh, international film, which of course was foreign language film that they just now renamed uh, international film. And this movie called Honeyland got nominated for both documentary and foreign language film. I think this is the first time that we've seen this ever. Like, usually documentary films, they'll get nominated in just documentary and that's it. Like, you won't see them in any other categories. But, yeah, no, th this might even be the first time we have a documentary nominated outside of documentary. And not just foreign language film, but documentary, too. So, it's a pretty big deal, and this made me very excited to look at uh, this thing called, this film called Honeyland. So, I'm going to look it up, see what it is, and, you know, who knows? That could be one of the uh, 2019 films I watched that surprised me and I end up putting it on my 10 best of the year. We'll see. Uh, but another interesting thing, now that uh, foreign language film has is been renamed international film, uh, we all expected Parasite to get nominated, but the fact that it did, its inclusion is a very big deal because for the first time ever since foreign language film or international film or whatever it was called has been announced, this is the very first time South Korea has ever had a film get nominated. So, odds are it's going to win, but the fact that it got nominated, very big deal. Alright, um, another quick little surprise in uh, the film editing category. I, I, I again was saying that I didn't think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood had a very strong chance at film editing, because since, uh, unfortunately, since Sally Menke, uh, Quentin Tarantino's usual editor, uh, she passed away after Inglorious Bastards. And the sad thing is, is you could kind of tell his pacing in films has, uh, shall we say, been elaborated since then. Because uh, he's, he's had a new editor on Django Unchained, uh, Hateful Eight, and now Once Upon a Time. And... Those have been, I think those are his longest films. So, uh, yeah, I think he's really, he's, he may like his editor, but he's got to find another Sally Menke, big time. Like, he's got to find someone, because Once Upon a Time didn't get an editing nomination, but the one that surprised me, well, I thought was a lock because of the invisible editing, 1917. Our other humongous contender for Best Picture, not nominated for editing. And this, um, this puts the race in a very interesting position because usually you have, is it usually Best Picture is always a film editing nominee. Like they'll always have editing as its nomination. I'm gonna look into it. I don't think we have had. A movie win best picture that was not nominated for film editing and if we yeah if, if that happens this year we've got uh, I think that might have just cleared the path for the Irishman but we'll uh, we'll look into that because yeah the fact that 1917 got shafted for for film editing uh, for both I mean, Joker kind of expected, but the fact that Jojo Rabbit got a nomination? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, your all's guess is as good as mine as to why. Uh, again, I need to see more films this year. Jojo Rabbit's one I haven't seen. Um, it maybe had really nice editing. Like, it's probably the type of editing you'd see in a Wes Anderson film, so it's very precise, very nice. Maybe a montage here and there. But yeah, it's, it's very, very curious, and I wonder if that actually has hurt the chances for Once Upon a Time in 1917. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that brings us to uh, quite possibly the biggest snub of the night, or uh, the, mor night, the morning. Uh, supporting actress. Let me get to that. Yeah. When they announced Kathy Bates's name, something was up. Because they announced them alphabetically. She was a Golden Globe nominee for Richard Jewell, but since the release of Richard Jewell, there'd been a lot of, like, controversy over the accuracy of it, over just a lot of the film in general. Um, what is it? Clint Eastwood hasn't quite had the, uh, the stronghold over the Academy he's had. Like, American Sniper was like a really big deal in 2013 because it ended up becoming the highest grossing film that year and it, it, it was so popular that it couldn't be ignored by the Academy. It was also such a big production too that it couldn't be ignored by him. But everyone forgets that before American Sniper, like the last uh, Clint Eastwood film that made any kind of waves in the Academy was, uh, was Million Dollar Baby. So it was about nine years before he had a film that, you know, got recognized by him. Like The Mule got nominated, got nothing last year. He's had a couple films in between that everyone thought was gonna get in, but they didn't. But yeah, when Kathy Bates's name got announced, something was up. We knew somebody that was expected to get a nomination got shafted. And yeah, it was one of my surefire uh, predictions. Jennifer Lopez, she must have done something to rub the Academy the wrong way. Either either they still remember Geely, um, or they remember a lot of her other performances in, like, you know, the, the 2000s during her rom-com time, where she was just squandered away, or I don't know what happened, because she should have been nominated, plain and simple, Jennifer Lopez should have been nominated for Hustlers. The fact that she didn't, I want to know what she did. Like, if she did something to make them angry, or if she didn't play their game, or, or something. But yeah, that is a humongous, humongous omission for supporting actress, or for any of the major categories. And yeah, I mean, Kathy Bates is, an, a, is a wonderful actress, don't get me wrong. Like, her performances in Misery, About Schmidt, um, she, Fried Green Tomatoes, she's, she's a solid actress and, you know, might be the best thing about, the, about Richard Jewell, but yeah, her inclusion is very, very odd. It's, it's like when you saw Denzel Washington's name for Roman J. Israel, or Esquire back in 2017, because you knew they were shafting James Franco for the disaster artist after the uh, the rise of the Me Too movement. Um, 
Yeah, that's the only reason he got nominated for that is, again, like, he was probably, like, sixth on the list, and then Franco got, just got, like, knocked right out, so six became the default number five. Um, I don't know. I don't know if there was something that Lopez did wrong, or if she didn't, you know, send gift baskets to the right people, or have the right screenings, or, I don't know. But yeah, no, the Hustlers should have had some showing, some recognition, or that was the one chance the film had, and they chose to not do it, and that is a gigantic oversight on, I don't know, if like the acting branch or the Academy overall for whoever nominated it, but that is a, uh, that is a humongous omission. And so, before I ramble on any further, let's get to what I was trying to talk about the whole time, and that is the tallies, the total nominations for everything this year. Um, we have nine Best Picture nominees. We've got Ford v. Ferrari, which has four nominations, the two sound and the film editing category. Uh, Jojo Rabbit had a nice showing with six nominations. Uh, we've got four films with six nominations. And that, and they are uh, Jojo Rabbit, uh, Little Women, uh, Marriage Story, and Parasite. Parasite being the only one of those four that actually got a director nomination, because this this is actually pretty unprecedented. Here we have another. Our next four films that are nominated are in the double digits for nominations. That's very unheard of. Like. The one time I remember a film, like a year, where there was a lot of nominations for multiple films was 2002, when you had Chicago getting 13 nominations and Gangs of New York getting 10 nominations. Like the fact that you had a film with, or even the year after, like you had Return of the King get 11 nominations and Master and Commander get 10, and the other three nominees got seven nominations each. Like. For a long time, though, since the Academy's done like this expansion of nominees, there hasn't been a like a major sweeper of nominations, like where you get the the double digits, and yeah, like uh, okay. So what are the four? Uh, well, we have uh, the Irishman, which got ten nominations, and two other films got ten nominations: uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and 1917. Both got 10 nominations. Uh, ter uh, all three of them nominated for director, so strong chance there, except for the fact that, like I mentioned before, 1917 and Once Upon a Time not getting film editing nominations, does that hurt their chances? Possibly. But that brings us to our fourth film, and that is Joker. Joker is our lead film this year with 11 nominations. Our most nominated film this year is a very loose, albeit comic book adaptation. Now, last year we kind of broke a little new, uh, some new ground a little by actually having Black Panther get nominated for Best Picture. It was a big showing because it was, uh, it was an African-American cast, and it was also a comic book film. So those two right there were the fact that they were groundbreaking in their own medium. And absolutely, Black Panther deserved to be nominated for 
breaking ground that way. Um, Joker, however, wow, just wow, 11 director costumes editing like those three right there. I mean, that could have been 1917. That could have been Once Upon a Time. Like, you could have easily... The Academy could have easily gone the route for those two movies to make them the clear frontrunner, but instead, they are now, like... They have the second most nominations this year, again, to a comic book film. How strong is Joker going to be this year with 11 nominations? I'm, I'm not entirely sure, really. Um... Yeah, that's very, very confusing. Um, so where does this leave the race? I don't know. And I think that's another reason why they did it. Like, it really shows that there's a four-way race this year. We have a very strong four-way race for Best Picture. That's um, it's kind of exciting, actually. Like, I don't know where it's going to go. We had, uh, we had the Broadcast Film Critics Awards last night. Uh, they gave Best Picture to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but Director was a, a tie for, with Sam Mendes and Boong Joon-ho. Um, Irishman only got one win. The scary thing for ten nominations for a Martin Scorsese film was the last time that happened was Gangs of New York. And when that happened, not a win. Zero wins. And rightfully so. I think Gangs of New York is probably his, like, one of his lesser films. Like, in his giant oeuvre of films, Gangs of New York may have been one of the biggest, wasn't the best. Probably one of his worst. <laughs> um, but that I can't say that about The Irishman, though. The Irishman's a really great film, so I don't know where that puts everything this year. Like, I think the, the uh, guild to look for is going to be the uh, Producers Guild to see where they go. Um... Director's Guild, of course, is going to be a big thing, so we'll, we'll see if there's, like, a, a showing in those two. But, yeah, this actually, this makes the race interesting. This makes the nominations, the films interesting, and I'm excited to see where this year goes. I'll keep a look on all the guilds, I'll keep a look out on all the, uh, all the other precursors we have showing, and, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll do another episode right before the, uh, award show, we'll... Hopefully I'll have my lovely wife uh, with me. We'll do our predictions for what we think is going to win. And um, so, yeah, for now, I think that's covered up pretty much every shock or every omission or surprise I can think of. But, yeah, I uh, hope you all enjoyed. And uh, hopefully this inspires you to check out some of these movies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So from all of us here at The Race is On and Four Midwest Guys... Be sure to check out the 4 Midwest Guys webpage and also to check out uh, our Facebook page as well. we got a lot of other cool content. And yeah, hopefully we will uh, see you later. And I, will, and I will see you as the Oscar race continues.